What is up? I am Brett Pape. That's Coach Bruce. And this is the Coach Approach. Stay on. This episode of the Cut Podcast Network is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? I've been there. Whether it's frustrations with your job, your social situation, or something else, life can be challenging. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating within 48 hours. It's not a crisis line and it's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. There is a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's 15,000-plus counselor network, which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses, plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit BetterHelp.com slash The Cut Podcast. That's Better H-E-L-P. And join the over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Special offer for The Cut Podcast Network listeners. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash The Cut Podcast. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode of the Cut Podcast Network. Coach, how you doing, brother? Man, I'm doing fantastic, bro. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. So here we are. Week three starts tomorrow. How are your teams doing? You got many 2-0 teams. Uh, how, how is the, the real season working out for your fantasy teams? Uh, it's going well. I've got, uh, I've got 30-something teams, but just before everybody says, oh, my gosh, how do you do it? There's a lot of free leagues that are with some buddies of mine that are just more like, hey, having some fun, doing some drafts and more for bragging rights. But the money leagues, I think I've got nine of those. and I've got four teams that are two and oh, three teams that are one and one. I got a couple teams that are oh and two. I got a lot of work to do that I got hit with the injury bug. And, you know, unfortunately, I lost in the Scott Fishbowl this week. Uh, I, I did not start Daniel Jones. I didn't really care for the matchup. And of course, the guy puts up 30 points. So there you go. Right. Right. And you know, the funny thing about Daniel Jones is that a lot of people going into the Scott Fishbowl, uh, I reached out to because it's obviously my first time and your first time. And they said one of the best ways to win it was to, there's always that second quarterback you wait on and don't get to like the eighth or ninth round. So he is that guy that I'm sure a lot of people are already talking about as being someone that you got a great value that can uh, allow you to focus on running backs or receivers instead of grabbing two quarterbacks. And I know that was your philosophy going in, and I did the same thing. I waited really late to get my second quarterback in David Carr. What round did you get? Yeah, I don't remember top of my head, but I remember this. I went in the draft thinking I was at 1.06, and I was like, okay, I'm going to get – there's a good chance I'm going to get Dak Prescott at, at that spot based on all the mock drafts we did and 
and everything else, or one of those top tier quarterbacks, and I did. But you know, CMC was sitting there. Dak had just got taken right in front of me, so I said, "Okay, look, I, I can't pass on CMC. My top five quarterbacks are off the board. Ironically, they all went first five picks. So I went CMC, and then by the time I got to the second pick, I started saying, "I'm, I'm getting Jonathan Taylor at the in the second round." Um, I thought he'd have more upside in the receiving game, which you've seen in one of the two weeks where he had some decent targets and targets. But, and then I just started, all of a sudden the board started dropping. I started loading up on, you know, AJ Brown and, and, and getting all the, you know, wide receivers. And so I, I didn't get a quarterback. I think it's around seven, which was, and I wrote an article with P2W fantasy about this was, this was right after the draft, right after the Carson Wentz trade and where I felt sure. Carson Wentz had a great landing spot. So you might get some good value late there. I've talked about Daniel Jones and how I felt like, hey, with Kenny Galladay coming in and what they're doing there, um, Squam Barkley's back. I think there's an opportunity that the old line is still terrible. But I felt he was a guy that had some good upside. So I, I went Wentz, and I went Daniel Jones, and then I went Zach Wilson even a little bit later. And we know how the Zach Wilson train went this week, but you know, hope, I know he'll get right. Just it'll be a matter of how, how long it takes him to get there. But I can't tell you what round. I want to, It was between round seven through nine. Sure. I can tell you that. Well, I, I got I got Zach Wilson as well, and I got him. He was my third quarterback that I got. I got Carr, mm-hmm. and then I was able to get Josh Allen, and I'm still kind of waiting for uh, Josh well, Allen to kind of break out. Good... Yeah. I did. I did. He's been doing really well. He's another one of those type of guys. I think I probably got it earlier than you got Wentz, but I'm fine with that. We both know how I feel about Wentz. And uh, he's yeah. the only guy I know who can get two sprained ankles in one game. Yeah, it takes a special talent to do that. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Home leagues. I know you don't have one like you used to, but uh, man, our home leagues ramping up, and uh, those are always uh, games that I enjoy. And last week I was able to squeak out a win. And you know, I'm kind of stuck in the middle in that league in the sense that it's one where I lost Cam Akers, and I and I'm I have a pretty good receiving core, um, but I kind of feel like I'm stuck in between competitor or, or, or rebuild. Um, and so I, I've been debating on which route to go. The problem with the rebuild is I currently don't own my first rounder next year. So it kind of uh, takes away some of the fun and not being as successful when you don't get the uh, the joy of having that top pick if you are lucky enough to uh, be in a rebuild mode so much that you're rewarded in that regard. So Kind of don't know what I'm going to do there, but uh, why don't we move on to uh, last week? A couple big games. You brought, you brought up Daniel Jones, and um, I don't know if there was a more entertaining game than that New York Giant-Washington game. And uh, what are your thoughts on uh, their quarterback for Washington? I thought Henneke looked great out there. I thought he showed great composure. Yeah, I mean, Heineke's a guy that a lot of us – felt like could compete for the quarterback job and, and you know, if it's, if it's magic or if it's tragic, depending on which way you want to go, landed in Washington. I think there were still some people that said, Hey, it's still Fitz magic. It's still that guy that, that can throw four touchdowns in the game and then follow it up with a four interception game. So I think there were a lot of people, especially, you know, Washington fans on Twitter that were talking about, Hey, I want to see Tyler Heineke get a chance. I felt like he's got some upside and the guy goes out and throws the ball, you know, 46 times and, those for 336 yards and two touchdowns. And, you know, I think he's a guy that can still put up numbers. Uh, look, here's the reality is, is Terry McLaurin is the real deal. And if there's a guy in the NFL, you can absolutely say 
is not quarterback dependent. You look at the quarterbacks they had last year and, and what he's already working with this year, that guy's an absolute stud. And then you throw in Antonio Gibson and, and J.D. McKissick still seems to be that guy in the, the two-minute drill and third downs that they're still going to use, whereas a lot of us hope we're hoping that Antonio Gibson will start to see some of those, you know, receiving targets. But, you know, so far it's, it's, it's same same old, same old in Washington in terms of what they did last year. And I thought Heineke looked great. I mean, yeah, he had the one pick, but I thought he played well. You know, he pulled it out. Heineke – Heineke really impressed me after that one turnover. I was I, yeah. I was absolutely shocked that they threw the ball in that situation. But at the same time, he's done nothing prior to that to give you an indication that he's going to make a mistake like that. But the way he bounced back after that was something that I was most impressed with. Well, I think something that was that was fun to see too for you know, everybody's talking about Saquon Barkley, and there's a lot of talk about do you start him? Do you sit him? You know, if you draft him in the first round, you got to play him. And you get a lot of people saying, I don't care where you drafted him. It's okay if he doesn't, you know, get the reps until week four or five. Play it slow if you have a better option at the three spot or somebody else you can put in the flex spot. But, you know, he had 13 carries, 57 yards. Granted, he broke a long run. And outside of that, his, his running numbers were were not very good. But that's what you get with Saquon Barkley. I mean, you're going to get a guy that, that might get held and, and it's not a great offensive line, but he can break off a 40-yard run at any point in time. So, I like I I'm not a Jason Garrett guy. If you know me and you, I'm a big Cowboys guy, I had to deal with Jason Garrett for how many years in Dallas, and they held on to him way longer than they should have. I do think he's a decent offensive coordinator, but but he's not. You know, he certainly wasn't a great head coach. But we'll we'll see what he does with that offense. I'm I'm not impressed with what they're doing so far, you know, schematically. But you know, one thing he will do is, is try to get his they'll feed Saquon Barkley. Just just look back at what he did with Zeke and, and his rushing game and Demarco Murray and those guys in Dallas. Saquon's going to get his touches. It's just a matter of time. Speaking of Dallas, your team, they they were able to finally get a win, finally. Uh, in the second week, they got their first win, and it was against the Chargers. And uh, one of the things that everyone kind of expected were more games like what they had in game one against Tampa where they threw the hell out of the ball, and you're getting these uh, great games from every skilled position, uh, not a running back for them. And this week they kind of uh, – Changed the story a bit. Now you had two running backs that provided great value, or at least Tony Pollard did. And uh, it kind of showed what I think they would like to do more. I don't necessarily think they want to throw the ball all the time. I think as a Dallas fan, you got to be happy with what you saw. Well, I think there's there's a few things. And, and, you know, we'll stick to fantasy, which most of us don't play in IDP leagues. But, you know, we can talk about the defense, certainly what they did in the draft there. But if you look at the Dallas Cowboys, and I think this is where – this is what the coach approach is all about, is bringing real football to fantasy football and how those two can correlate. And I think the Dallas, what they did in week one, with throwing the ball 53 times against a very stout Tampa Bay defense up front, was very smart and Kellen Moore to say, hey, we're going we're gonna to work the outside. We know our receivers are better than what you can put out on an island, and we're going to work Amari Cooper. And he had 13, I think it was 13 receptions for whatever it was. And you go into this week and you say, hey, Yes, they have Joey Bosa. Yes, they have a decent pass rush, but we feel like we can gash them. They play a two-cap, which is a two-high safety look. So it's a lighter box. We're going to use the run game. And so this is where I feel like people that truly understand the game of football can say, hey, when you can throw the ball 53 times and almost upset the reigning Super Bowl champion that got all 22 players starters back, you can say 25 if you want to count special teams. But And then you can go against an opponent one week later – and then rush the ball 31 times for almost 200 yards. 
That's an offense that understands who they are. They can beat you with the pass. They can beat you with the run. They played a balanced game. I tell you what, if the defense could stop L.A. from getting four or five, six yards every first down and be in great situations with second and medium or second and short and get the get the Los Angeles Chargers off the field, that offense, I mean, they were rolling. They might have put up 40 points, but unfortunately, you know, time of possession, we just we couldn't get the Chargers off the field in the first half. But, you know, we eked it out. I thought it was a great, great game playing by Kellen Moore for the second week in a row. Now we see what they do against the Eagles without Brandon Graham, who's now out for the season, and Brandon Brooks. You know, they lose a D lineman and, and a, an integral player for next week. So we'll see how that plays out. A guy that I think, um, and we've talked about it in the past, uh, I don't think either one of us would proclaim ourselves as being zero running back guys. However, um, when you see some of the value that you can get at the receiver spot early in drafts, a guy like the Tony Pollard, and for him to do what he's doing, he's a lot – he's on a lot of my rosters because I did punt the running back position um, in drafts. And so to get a Tony Pollard late and then for him to produce like he did, that's something that can be exciting if uh, they're going to – do you see them continuing to do the two-back look like that? I do, and, and I get in a lot of you know debates and very good debates. There's so many great people on Twitter that can have really good debates without anybody taking it personal. And one of my favorite guys in this space is is uh, at FF underscore RTDB, Jacob Sanderson, and he talks a lot about you know Zeke Elliott and how he feels like he's diminished. If you look at you know how he runs the ball and what his met- his advanced metrics look like, and he's right. Like you can say, hey, he did not have a great 2020, but we also had three starting linemen out for the year, and now. You look what they're doing with Tony Pollard. He's a big Tony Pollard guy. And I've always said, hey, I don't believe Tony Pollard's ever going to be the alpha in Dallas as long as Zeke is there, I think for obvious reasons. But he's a great complement to what Zeke brings to the table. He gives you more burst. gives you a little bit more yards after the catch in the passing game. He's more explosive, especially on the outside. He's a little bit tougher to contain. Um, Zeke's a little bit more, uh, you know, uh, not the same runner he was in, in his rookie year, but I think the balance they have there, if they go 50-50 and they do it like they did in this last week where you can use Zeke, you know, it's great to see Zeke get in the end zone. And, hey, he did run for 70 yards and average, you know, almost four and a half yards per carry. Tony Pollard, 13 for 109, over eight yards per carry. He was involved in the passing game. I love what Tony Pollard does for this football team. Uh, but I think you're still going to see a 50-50 split to me is ideal. And not to go back to old Thunder and Lightning with Tiki Barber and, and – uh, Brandon Jacobs, but but this is an offense I think with Zeke and Pollard, I think is, is a very good balanced rushing attack. It gives you a different look at hey, what a difference Zach Martin makes. You didn't have him in week one, you have him in week two, and, and he was an absolute monster on the offensive line. Yeah, he sure was. He sure was. Let's move on because you can probably talk about Dallas Cowboys forever. Um yeah. briefly, what you, the probably the biggest game, probably the biggest game of uh the year, at least last week, was KC at Baltimore. Baltimore at KC. What did you? Uh, what were you so impressed with Lamar coming back and doing what he did? I mean, it was just uh, nice to see him finally get that win, especially after he had such a terrible start. Well, I think the nice thing about Baltimore is, is I remember before the draft, there was a lot of talk about, and I, I was a guy that would say, "Hey, look, there's a reason why Kenny Galladay didn't want to go to Baltimore." There's a reason why they struggle to find a good wide receiver one to go to Baltimore in a free agency because you look at 25 pass attempts per game in a pass-heavy you know, NFL right now and only 187 yards passing per game in 2020. Why would an alpha wide receiver who's trying to play for his next big contract want to go to Baltimore? However, 
you draft Tylen Wallace, you draft Rashad Bateman, you bring in Sammy Watkins, and I think Greg Roman realized, hey, we've got to be able to put some points up quick and, and compete if we're down 14 in a playoff game and be able to score and score quick. So we need to focus on having more balance in the passing game. Obviously, with the injuries they've had in the running back position, Rashad Bateman being out, um, I, I was interested to see what they would do against Kansas City, and I felt like Lamar Jackson's a guy that if he can ever really put together a passing attack and give you the confidence that, hey, if the run game's not there, he can beat you with his arm because the legs are always going to be there. So I, I thought I was impressed to see what he did. Marquise Brown, you know, Hollywood Brown has stepped up, and I think he's had a great two weeks, and he's seeing the target share, and he's, he's producing with the targets that he's getting. So I like what they're doing there, and, of course, with Mark Andrews. And, and I'm excited to see when Rashad Bateman comes back. You know, does Greg Roman, what is that run run pass split going to look like? And, and I think that Lamar, when he's good, he's good. But let's be let's be honest, he made some throws in that game, turning the ball over, especially in week one, that were not great throws. And, and people want to talk about, you know, why does Lamar Jackson get so much grief when he makes a mistake in the passing game? that other quarterbacks like Dak Prescott and those guys don't get when they make a, a boneheaded throw. And the reality is because those other guys that you mentioned, Justin Herberts and those guys, have proven themselves to be an elite passer at the NFL level with what Herbert even did last year in his rookie year. Lamar, yes, he threw 30-something touchdowns in his MVP year, and his turnover ratio, interception ratio, the touchdown ratio is very, very good. But he still has to be the guy that doesn't make those mistakes in the red zone and, and, and understand – you know, how to play good ball control offense and, and be legit passing game. When he's on, he, he's probably – he's the funnest quarterback in the NFL to watch, in my opinion, when it comes to the run game and what he can do. He he's can't miss TV outside of Kyler Murray. He's probably my favorite quarterback to watch. Well, I mean, he just gives you so much. And here they have lost all their uh, running backs. And Tyson Williams is looking pretty good so far. And, you know, he had 77 yards the other day, but – he did have a fumble, but unfortunately it was uh, an easy touchdown as it went right into uh, another Ravens' hands. But aside from that, you're still getting the running output because he's taken the team on his shoulders. And what his passing limitations uh, have done and hurt them in the past, his ability to take over the game just by sheer will was something that I was really impressed with. And uh, to see the confidence that the team had him and to basically say, hey, do you want to go for it? And it's oh, nice great to see. Yeah, it, it was great to see, and it, it's exciting to uh, look forward to them, uh, those two teams, and Buffalo. The AFC is going to be a lot of fun this year. You know, it's funny, the Harbaugh situation when he says, hey, you want to go for it, and everybody on national TV watching the game sees it. What do you think Lamar Jackson is going to say? But, but the right. funny part, what if? What if Lamar Jackson said, you know what, Coach, let's, let's kick it. I believe in our defense. I know it's Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Let's kick it. In the press conference, John Harbaugh says it doesn't oh, matter. Go. He was going forward anyway, yeah. but it was it was nice to know he said yes. But it, it, it was it was such a great moment to see him just go, "Hey, Lamar, you want to go for it?" Of course, he's going to say yes. But quarterbacks not going to say yep. yes in that situation. Yep. I love it. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty fun to watch. And I mean, of, of course, he's going to say yes for two reasons. Uh, you know, everybody wants the ball in their hands at the end, and secondly. Uh, you know, you can never not say yes to that question when asked by your coach. Yeah. You, you say no, the coach is questioning, man, I got the right guy playing quarterback. Yeah, you know. right. Yep, yep. Hey, well, let's move on to week three before we bring on our guest. So I'm really excited about Damian Parsons, one of the top NFL film guys. 
really can't wait yeah. to uh, kind of hear what he's got to say about the next couple couple, next couple classes. Um, tomorrow night, Panthers 2-0. Sam Darnold looks to be a heck of a lot better than what he obviously was with the Jets. And uh, they're going to play the one-on-one Texans. And unfortunately, now the Texans are already on to Davis Mills because of injury. Uh, what are your thoughts about tomorrow night? Hey, I, I was also, I think, outspoken as some other people were about Sam Darnold. Like, look, it didn't work in New York. We get it. He turned the ball over. He wasn't great. The numbers aren't great. You can look at the metrics. But then you go to the Panthers, and you got Joe Brady, and you got Matt Rule, and you've got Christian McCaffrey, who's healthy, who looks like he never missed a game. I mean, he's the same Christian McCaffrey as he was before the injury, the major injury that he suffered. I thought Sam Darnold, great landing spot. I mean, Robbie Anderson, and now they bring on Terrace Marshall, and you've got DJ Moore, and I, I, I think Sam Darnold is doing exactly what a lot of us that understand and watching film and watching offensive systems, and some coaches aren't great in putting quarterbacks in great situations, and I think that's something that that Joe Brady is, is very good at. Uh, so it's been great to see what they're doing in Carolina with that offense, and hey. I, I'm impressed. Uh, there were some people that picked them to, to make the playoffs and some people that didn't. I was on the, the side. I thought they were a year away. I thought it would take another year of, of building that roster a little bit. I want to see where Terrace Marshall was going to be in his rookie season. And we haven't seen his breakout yet, but I think it's coming. But I, I enjoy what they're doing. But, hey, talk about the Texans. I mean, I picked them to go 0-17 just for fun, you know, doing Project 32 because I thought like David Coley was a guy right. bringing in just, just to buy some time until they got the right coach. But – Shoot, they've been competitive. You know, I, we saw what they did in week one, and they hung with the Panthers for a little bit in week two. And, you know, it, it's just it, – it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see what goes on. Davis Mills, as you saw last week, is, is not quite NFL ready. And now he's going to go up against a defense that I think is underrated in Carolina, and, and we'll see how that goes. But uh, I think it's safe to say that, that the Panthers, if they play Panther football, are going to win that game. Uh, I think that's safe to say. And it's just neat to, like you said, because – Man, ever since uh, I see Ghost out there, he's been getting beat up, and obviously yeah. I'm talking about Sam Darnold. But yeah. heck, man, there's a lot of quarterbacks that have got seen Ghost against uh, Bill Belichick. Let's move on. Next one, big AFC matchup. A couple more teams that have uh, a lot of fantasy implications. Chargers at the Chiefs, both one and one. Yeah, I mean, obviously Chiefs losing to Baltimore in a great, great game. But you know, I think that the Chiefs are exactly who we thought they were. I, I think that. Uh, the difference is CEH hasn't gotten off to the start that I think we, we there were some people that really thought that he would, and there's others that, that felt like, hey, he, he's overrated. He's in a system that, you know, is not going to return the value that people were hoping they would, whereas ADP was. But I think with the Chargers, you're, you're seeing Herbert have some moments where he looks really, really good, and then you have some moments where it looks like, you know, he's having that sophomore, I won't say slump, because I'm not going to take it that far, but I think Eckler is exactly what we thought he was going to be. People were talking about he didn't see the target share in week one, but then you see him in week two and, you know, he sees the target share. I think he's going to be a, a great lead back and, and with the Chargers and Mike Williams. You know, a lot of us talked about Mike yeah. Williams coming to the season and what they're doing with him is exclusively playing him at the X and moving him around a little bit and having a bigger route tree. He's exactly what people thought he was going to be before the season started. He has stepped up. You see him more target share and he's capitalizing on it. So, I think the Chargers' offense has the type of offense that can compete. I'd like to see a little bit more out of Jared Cook and Donald Parham, you know, the tight end position. But when you've got well, Parham got in the end zone, he, yeah, you're right. And uh, you know, he's a big dude. Was he six eight? I know he's a, he's yeah, a big dude. He's, he's got to learn the game. 
yeah, coaches rave about him and his work ethic. So I'm excited to see what they do there with with Parham. I was hoping he'd see a little bit more, a little bit, a little bit more target share overall. But hey, we're only in, in week two, and I think that they can be good in 12 personnel. If they use a little bit more when you have Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, then you can throw in Parham with, with Jared Cook. I think that that's a good offensive set with what you can do with Eckler. So. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a great game. Both teams one and one. Both teams wanting to bounce back, and both teams losing a close one uh, yeah. this past week. So, you know, I think they want to get on the on the, on the right side of the winning. Well, let's move on because we got our guest coming on here in a second. But briefly, we get to talk about a guy that we wanted to start pretty early. A few of our guests have uh, made uh, predictions when um, Justin Fields will get on the field, and uh, looks like it's going to be week three due to injury to Andy Dalton. And I don't know about you, but I have got that part of the day already cleared out. I need to see this kid play, and I can't wait. You know, it's funny is you have two sides, right? The, the one side, which is, hey, you've got Andy Dalton that played the Rams in week one. Maybe wait until week four. When I think they play the Lions, if I remember correctly. I can't remember who it is in week four. But so let's get him through the first three weeks. We'll play him in week four. That seems to be the better time to start him. There's some Chicago Bears. I know Nick Sprint from – P2W Fantasy is a big believer. It felt like, hey, it's probably going to be week four. I know that who's um, <laughs> a big advocate of Justin Fields. He was his top-rated quarterback coming into the season. He felt like he should have started week one. I've been very outspoken with Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace, the mistakes they made with Mr. Trubisky. You put your best 11 on the field. You're fighting for your job, uh, as I believe Matt Nagy is. Why are you not putting Justin Fields in week one? Hey, I get it's Aaron Donald. I get it's the Rams defense. He's got to learn at some point. The skill set's there. He showed enough in the preseason. He can keep the play alive. I think that that I wish it was a situation where we're saying, hey, Andy Dalton's not giving us enough. You're the guy coming into week three as opposed to him starting week three because Andy Dalton isn't healthy and Matt Nagy still coming out or someone from the Bears, can remember if it was Matt or not, but and saying that, hey, if Andy Dalton's healthy, he's still going to be our starter in week three. And I just, you know, I laugh at it. I'm like, you got to put your best level on the field. So I'm the excited to see Justin Fields just like you are. I'm, that's a game I'm not going to miss. I, I took that press conference's meeting a little bit – or I took a different meaning from it in the sense that what I thought he said was is that um, when he is healthy, he'll be the starter. And that gives him so much wiggle room because are NFL players really healthy? I mean, is there ever a point in the season where you can say they're completely healthy? I think it gives them – more wiggle room to go ahead and just give him the shot. If he's ready, it's perfect, and they yeah. can just go with it. If he's not ready, all of a sudden now, good old Andy Dalton just happens to be healthy, and you're not benching fields. You're just simply doing what was always going to be done. Yeah, no, hey, I, I agree, and I think everybody is excited, especially Bears fans. But what, what a game for him to start in, in week three. You go into Cleveland Browns and, and that that front seven and what they can do in the in the uh, on the back end there too. So it, it's 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 a tough matchup for him. It's in Cleveland. You know, you're traveling on the road. You're playing against a great uh, you know a great D line. And so it, it's going to be interesting to see what Fields does. But this is where you have to embrace the zone read and you have to embrace the fact that hey, if something breaks down. Take off, get what you can. Let's live another down, and, and I think that's that's if you're Matt Nagy, you gotta you gotta be ready to do that. It's a different offense with him versus Andy Dalton. So you know, I'm, I'm shoot. Who's not excited to see Justin Fields? Yeah, not we just want to see him this week. I question no, your football IQ. 
Well, also excitable is our guest. Why don't you tell us about our guest this week? He's uh, by far one of my favorite analysts on Twitter. So uh, tell me who we got. Hey, so Damian Parson is one of those guys that you know I've, I've followed, you know, for a long time. And then, you know, I don't know if he knows how long it's been, but he, he does a phenomenal job. I'm a film guy. I know he's a film guy. Um, he's the co-host over at Cover One. Um, he's an NFL draft and national scout for CoverOne.net and a staff writer for at Revenge of the Birds, um, RevengeOfTheBirds.com. You can find him. But, dude, anything running backs, I don't care, film study, if you're someone that wants to know what, how to watch film, how to look at film, how to review film, and how to, how to take that and, and apply it to fantasy football, uh, you know, there, he's one of the few people that, that I will sit there and I will listen to him when he talks about film and breaking players down. So, Damon, man, welcome to the show, bro. We're great, happy to have you, man. Hey, fellas, appreciate you guys having me on, man. I'm excited about it. Uh, definitely, uh, hey, all the kind words. I appreciate it, man. You know, one of the reasons why I, I like Coach Bruce, I, I've been a follower for a long time, and um, I, I love how you stay to who you are in the sense that you kind of don't mix with any of the drama. You don't get involved in any of that. And you're just there to give your analysis. And if you are someone who loves following the NFL draft or loves following Debbie, you got to want to be able to watch film at times because that's the excitable part. So anytime I see a clip for you, I mean, man, that is, I didn't have to look for it. All I had to do is hit click and I love what you do. And uh, man, you're by far one of my favorites, so I can't wait to get into this. I appreciate both of you fellas giving those those words, man. I, I'm I'm in the space for one thing and one thing only: talk football, have fun, man. You know, what I mean, um, I'm a student of the game, and I'm very persistent in my development of myself. Uh, I took the same way I I same kind of route and mindset I had when I played all the way through high school and everything. It's the same route, same mindset I have now. It is just know my weaknesses. Uh, probably a couple of years ago, I would tell anybody studying the old line was not my biggest, was not a strength of mine. Now, you know, with a lot of help from a lot of the, the I would say, elder statesmen in the draft community, uh, shout out to uh, Kyle Krabs over at Draft Network, Brandon Thorne, you know, even from conversations to even from a distance, learning from these guys, um, I'm able to, I was able to make it a strength in a way to where now I understand the position more. So that's it, just what it is for me, man, understanding what I do well and where I can improve. And then I hit the books, man. I hit the books. I learn, I study. I, it, a lot of it is naturally known from playing, but a lot of it is also just on my own. You know, one of my guys asked me, he's like, do you sleep? And I was like, um, I used to, uh, <laughs> I used to sleep. And then I had a, you know, then I had a child. Me and my wife had a son last January and I forgot what sleep ever was after that. <laughs> so, you know, uh, between, you know, I'm usually up 12 o'clock right. at night, either doing homework, film study, getting tweets ready for the next day. Cause I don't want to put stuff out where people are asleep. It, it, it's a grind, but it's something that I love and I'm passionate about. Yeah. I'll, I'll say this, man. And, and of course I'm a Ooh. film guy too, so I can appreciate it, but there, there's something about, you know, playing, playing high school ball, playing college ball, and just understanding the game. And I always do it like this. I think it was Pat Curl in one of the greatest books I've ever read. It was keeping your eye, take your eye off the ball, which is understanding the game of football in terms of scheme. And so you see a lot of people on Twitter that say, hey, man, why'd you run the football? You know, in that situation, it's like, hey, if you understand the game of football, you look at the front, you look at the bubbles of space in the run game, the bubbles of space in the passing game, 
for what the defense is doing and say, hey, it was actually a smart play call. So there's a deeper understanding of the game of football. And, and hey, I love analytics too, and I, I've embraced that. I think there's a lot to be to be said, and there's a there's a big strength. I think some of the greatest guys understand understand it both. But just being a film guy, man, I, I love when you put clips out and you talk about player breakdown. And I, I know I sent you one the other day, which we'll talk about. But uh, it's just a lot of fun to see your feedback and go, man, there's another football guy. I love it. So appreciate that. It's fun, man. It's a lot of fun. I I encourage, I encourage a lot of my a lot of my fancy football guys um, that aren't uh, you know film guys. And I tell them, I'm like one thing, especially with the running back position. I tell everybody, running back is much more complex than it looks. You know, uh, it's not just toting the rock and having speed and being patient. It's understanding, you know, the scheme itself. Uh, one thing I, I made a. a I made an issue for I made a point of mine playing is understanding the the techniques of my offensive lineman. So okay, if that three tech sh- shades in the three eye, okay, my my right guard and my center, if if the other D tackle is shaded too far over, he's on the he's on he's on the outside shoulder of my my center or my guard, my right guard, these two are gonna double, they're gonna uh duo block, combo block. Now I cut off of that. And I I, I like to explain to people, man, it's just when you look at vision, one of the main things that, that is misconstrued is just it's just vision, right? But from a running back's perspective, you have reads. So when it's a duo or combo block, you got one lane. You have you you have one lane. When you have a single block, like it's literally two way, you could go the two-way go. So it's it's just really about you. When you have a single block as a running back, you manipulate that guy that's being blocked with you because they're the technique and coach, you know this, that peak can yeah. shed. They're gonna they're gonna stack. Peak, look for you at the end the ball, and then they're gonna shed. So in that case, I want to give you a lean, a hard lean, make you lean, and and as you're peaking, you're leaning, and then I'm gonna break back outside of that. Setting up your and, blocks, and, yeah. And setting up my blocks. So it's just like it's it's, a, it's so much that goes into it. So I always have a it, scheme. You know, I had that discussion a lot this draft season. Uh, I wanted people to understand like why I didn't view not uh, Travis Etienne the same like that I view Najee. I view Travis Etienne as a zone runner, someone that presses, that is his explosiveness, his speed. It's better to use pressing the perimeter and then cutting up cutting up off of his blocks rather than because to run between the tackles, you need good feet, you need good patience, and you need good spatial awareness because there's a lot of trash, a lot of mess going on between the tackles. So, and when I watched him run between the tackles, I wasn't impressed with him. I said he didn't have the footwork. He didn't have the control, the body control to be able to, to jump over his offensive lineman's body as he's blocking someone and being able to stay upright, get ready to – and you see that linebacker coming. So you know when I plant my feet after I jump over my offensive lineman, I know I need to put a move on this guy in the hole, in the alley. Um, and so for me, it's just I, li- I like to explain and break down because I, re- I realized and shout out to my guy, Eric Crocker. That's, that's my big yeah, brother. Um, Crocker was the one who really kind of told me, yeah. he's like, dude, there's nobody that, that talks running backs like that. Like it's a lost art. And he's like, you, you are great at it. So do it. And I was like, all right. And I didn't ever really, because I never thought about it. You know, I scout pretty much every position, but running back is my bread and butter. Speaking of running backs and a, and a guy that's taken a lot of heat, and, and I don't know if this is you defending him, but in a tweet that you sent out uh, in the last couple of days, it was about CEH, and yeah. it was about how uh, Brady used him compared to 
how uh, Reed used them and in hearing what you just talked about, the differences and how ETN runs or Harris or whatever. So now kind of click. So why don't you tell us what the difference is between the two? So one thing you go back to the college game, of course, he had Jamar Chase, which I mean, now he has Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and Miko Harvey. So he is, he has a lot of space to work for me. Uh, and one thing that that's, prevalent and I'm watching Andy Reid and his concepts box count spacing numbers count so everything is a numbers game in football Absolutely. you know I got three I got I have um you know from a screen a screen standpoint if you got bunch trips over here and you got a, a corner and a safety over top that's three to two we're gonna throw this quick screen let these two guys go block and try to free our guy up right so that's 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 important and I'm watching this Chiefs offense, and I'm it frustrates the daylights out of me because I'm like, you know, you're seeing too high safety almost all the time. So it's just like, okay, Andy, like let's and you have a, a upgraded O line. Like, don't get me wrong; these are young guys who and new oh, guys yeah. that have to get their chemistry down, packed to where they know what the others thinking and know they know they can kind of look at each other and give that call without even giving the defense a heads up. So it, it takes time, a couple of weeks to get that to get that going, but it's more so Brady would use him inside zone. He would kind of run him outside zone at times. You'll see a motion, a jet motion from the opposite side. And I and I did a tweet, um, I did a video breakdown of Ronald Jones from last year wow. and how uh, Bruce Arians and, and, and Leftwich used motion to adjust the leverage for the O-line and how that worked in Ronald Jones's favor. When you mo split zone action, you move Gronk across the formation, the D-line shifts a gap over, the linebacker shifts the gap over. What does that do? That allows your offensive lineman to get advantageous blocking situations. So that, that's a big part of everything as well. It's just I'm looking at Andy, I'm like, you send Miko Harmon on a jet sweep, on a jet motion, those linebackers are keying in on that. That backside safeties, he's keying in on that. He's actually going to step up a little bit because he doesn't want to be in a situation where this 4-2, 4-3 kid gets a handoff and we don't have a hard edge set. He's going around the, around the corner. Now I'm one-on-one -on -one in dead man's land trying to, catch, trying to tackle him in space. That's not really what safeties want to do anyway with these type of athletes, right? Tyreek Hill, Miko Hartman, things like that. So I'm just watching the – I'm watching his his concepts and he's and again, running back is also a rhythm position. You can't tell me you I'm gonna give you five carries in the full first half, and you you decipher and feel the type of defense we're playing. The Ravens is a physical, aggressive, fast defense, right? So if you give me enough carries in the first quarter, or so I can gain my feel for them. Okay. That linebacker likes to shoot the gap when he sees me coming yeah. into, you know, when I'm pressing the hole, he's not even reading. He's not reading, reacting. He's not uh, slow to, you know, he's just hit it. Okay, cool. Now as a running back, I know what I need to do. I press it and then I'm bouncing, I'm jump cutting it out. And you saw that with him in college. He was confident as a runner. He was confident in the scheme. He was confident in Joe Brady's usage of him. Against Alabama, he destroyed Alabama, whether it was in the run game or when they motioned him out into the slot. He ran Texas routes. He ran whip routes. The kid can move and he can do things in space that a lot of uh, – I've seen this tweet. I've seen the response to this so many times. He doesn't have the size. The, the days of the three-yard cloud of dust, 250-pound running back is long gone, guys. Oh. Like, it's long 
Yes. Like, stop trying to put the BMI. You did it with Devonta Smith. That was a fail, too. Like, stop doing it. Like, if you're good at football, you're good at football. But for players, the coaches have to do right by them. And, and Andy Reid, I'll be honest with you, and I, I was on a uh, Spaces last night with my guy, Ian, from uh, Pro Football uh, Network, and we, we were talking about it. Go back to uh, Kareem Hunt's rookie year. Kareem Hunt, remember the first game? I think he fumbled his first snap against the Patriots. Right. And he went on a tear. He destroyed the Patriots. I'll never forget because I drafted him, and I was like, I'm not starting him against Belichick. He had like 50 or 60 points that night. I was pissed because <laughs> he was on my bench. <laughs> so I, I made that mistake, and I said, I'll never do it again. But he destroyed them, and he was constantly – he was having a good – he had a great season. Led the, He ended up leading the, the league in rushing as a rookie. But in the middle of that season, Andy Reid became very lackadaisical with his play call. It was more pass than run, and he wasn't feeding him. And he does the same thing now with Clyde Hilarious. Heck, go back to his days in, in Philly when he had Brian Westbrook. Eagle yeah. fans will tell you to this day he didn't use Brian Westbrook nearly enough. And that's because he loves his passing concepts. And there's nothing wrong with that. But Joe Brady knew the weapon he had in CEH. He knew the mismatches he could create. He understood how patient and decisive of a runner he is. The kid had his first fumble, what, last night? <laughs> yeah, I didn't start him, Matt. And I'm, I, to this day, I'll still not be happy with myself. <laughs> I made a comment on that. You hit it. There you go. Yeah, I, I did not. I, I made a mistake. But, uh, I, but yeah, I think so Matt. Matt's a guy from my home league, and uh, I believe he started against me. And I'm like, "Are oh, you got it? You gotta be kidding me!" So That's yeah, a, no, I remember I was, that game I was well. in B, uh, I was in Buffalo Wild Wings when that happened. And I was actually when he fumbled, I was like, "Okay, I didn't start him." And then, like third by third quarter, I was like, "Why did I make this decision?" Like he was just destroying Belichick. But like I said, for me with the CH, I just want Reed to just feature him. Uh, like you, you have the weapons on the outside. And to the point, you look at the game plan for Baltimore, take away Tyreek Hill. They did that, right? They wanted to force Mahomes, which he still was phenomenal. He was still getting into the rest of his guys, right? But again, when you're seeing too high, that was one of the, that was one of the main things we talked about, you know, in the huddle. We come out, me and my quarterback, we had such a great chemistry, my guy Reggie, and we would look at the defense, and I'm like, it's too high. Like, what do you want to do? You know where I want to go with this. Oh, yeah. He was like, 44 power, let's go. And, you know, they lead block, and I'm going I'm going downfield. And it's just the light box, you take advantage of that. Now, because what that does is, and, Coach, you know it. You, both of you know it. If you start running the ball and you start forcing them to take heed to that run, that safeties – one of those safeties are pulling down. He's, and he's like, down. okay. Yeah. Yeah. So Now you're you know open. That's, exactly. And you got single high up top. Where that single high is going to be? Over Tyreek Hill, who else is on the field? Travis Kelsey, Miko Hardman. You get you create you create advantageous passing windows. So that's what that's kind of where I was watching some of the tape, and that's why I got frustrated. Just kind of I see a lot of people, and I know most of it's fantasy related. Why people get get frustrated with him? People didn't believe he should have been drafted over Jonathan Taylor. I mean, Jonathan Taylor's not lighting the world up right now. Uh, he hasn't been lighting the world up against good defenses since his rookie year. He ate against a lot of bad defenses. So if we're going to put – if you want to do that, make sure to have full context because I'm big on that. Context is key for me. Here's what I think is interesting is you brought up – I could talk football with you all day. But so what's neat, what people don't understand too and how it relates to fantasy football, like you talk about the jet sweeps in Kansas City and – how they're utilizing CEH, and it's, it's so funny because as a we were a big 
spread them out. When I was an offensive coordinator in high school, like spread them out, right, horizontally. And so set up your vertical game because eventually that safety is going to come down. But it's all about – so jet sweep. What can I run off a of jet sweep? I can run counter to the opposite side. What else can I run? I can run jet sweep and I'm successful when I show it enough. You start attacking the outside. Now I can run a screen game opposite side off of that. I can run now play action and have a post and a wheel route off of that. It's understanding football and concepts and saying, what is the defense showing? And you're right. So I was a wide receiver. You're running back guy. So it's like for me, I'm looking at going, hey, I love Kansas City's passing game as a wide receiver. But as a football guy, you look at it and you go, why are we not? There are bubbles of space in that run game. And because we're so want Mahomes to throw 50 touchdowns and we love the sexy play with a you know 80 yard post route to Tyree Kill and to use McCole Hardman's speed and Demarcus Robinson and now Brian Byron Pringle. And like, man, take what the defense gives you. Like, why can't we go back and just say, hey, football's football? Read the numbers. Are we in a neutral man advantage or are we plus one? And for plus one, we know we're going with the rock. Exactly. So it's so fun to watch, to listen to you talk and just go, man, I, I so get it. You know, that just comes from film study, understanding how to read numbers and replay side versus backside and understand. And that's where the great quarterbacks will check at the line of scrimmage and go, hey, I understand we got to run play on. Yeah. But now you're giving me a one high look, that safety's cheating down, we're gashing you in the run game. I'm going play action right here. We're going to hit one. And it's just you want to see coaches. And I get it. These guys at the NFL level are the best of the best. So who am I to question what they do? But sometimes as a fan or as a guy that understands film in the game of football, you do look at that and go, are they looking at the numbers? Are they are they taking what the defense gives them? And, you know, so I, it, it's that's such a great take, man. I love it. I love what you're talking about. Man. Hey, let's uh, let's move on to another guy that I, I – uh, the quarterback that you're tweeting a lot about. And um, – what are you – is he going to be the number one next year? What, what are your uh, – tell us more about Malik Willis. Dynamic, explosive, open field threat, the best dual threat QB in this class. Malik Willis has all of the tools and traits that you look for, right? And, and I always tell people – and most people most people really got on me last this past draft because they knew that I wasn't a big fan of Mac Jones. Um, I viewed his skill set. I knew from the neck up, he's he's intelligent. He played for Nick Saban. He has to be right. Like he knows he knows the game. He knows the pro reads. He comes out of a pro offense with Steve Sarkeesian last year. He he knows right. But he also fell to an offense that was going to tailor his game completely to him, and he he matches it meshes well with what they do. So, but typically that's why you saw we saw San Fran go three. At number three, they went Trey Lance. Why? Traits, tools. What can I teach you? I can teach you the game of football. I can teach you how to read pro concepts. I can't teach you to throw a 95 miles per hour fastball. I can't teach you that, right? I can't teach you to be six foot three, six foot four, 230 pounds, run a four five, and have the ability to play 11 on 11. I can't teach you that. God and your mother gave that to you at birth. I cannot teach that to you. So that's that's one of the big things for me. I, and I came into this into this season rattler at one, but there are some things I wanted to see clean up. He has not cleaned those things he up. Done it. He hasn't done it. Okay, cool. So then I'm looking at uh, Malik Willis, and I knew, and I, t- I tweeted out during the offseason, he was the QB from a talent standpoint that could, you know, of course, with Matt Corral too. 
But those are the two that could usurp and jump Rattler for me as QB1. So when I look at Malik Willis, he has the, the tantalizing, legit arm talent. He can make every single throw, every throw available to man he can make, right? The main thing for Malik, for me coming into this season, I wanted to see cleaner footwork. I want to see him play better in structure, take what the defense gives you, and then stop being such a javelin thrower and just power thrower and start layering it, start putting some air underneath it. And so far through the first two to three weeks, we've seen that. He's got a big test coming up against Syracuse this Friday, and I'm going to be all on Twitter looking at it and talking about it during the game because I'm excited for it. But when I look at a guy that truly can make you play 11 on 11, he's built like a running back. He has all the traits and tools. Then you see people like Jim Nagy who has their connections, and they're talking about how the coaching staff says he has the, off, the, in, the pocket game down pat now. That's terrifying because yeah. then – because I'm going to tell you what, what they do, and, and Coach can, can allude to this as well, when you have a mobile quarterback who is a better runner than passer, no shot at Lamar Jackson, but that's what he is. That's, that, he's a much better runner than he is passer. It's 100% truth. What do you want to do? I'm going to mush rush you, stay, gap integrity, lane integrity, make him throw from the pocket. I want you to throw 40 times from the pocket. I want to keep you from getting outside, right? Because for one, when he gets outside, he's typically not going to throw it. He wants to gash you. He wants to put those Madden highlights on, on, on tape and vertical cut you to death and make you look silly. So, no, I want to keep him in the pocket and make him throw. But when you have a quarterback that has – developed and evolved in the pocket now that's not a weakness anymore so now that changes you as a def as a defensive coordinator all right we can't just keep him in the pocket and mush rush him because he's picking us apart we got to send someone then lane and gap integrity kind of goes down by the wayside he breaks out he breaks contain he either runs because and if you anybody that's seen uh malik willis he's so explosive as a runner his burst is insane. Like I was watching him, and I, and I said this last night on the spaces, people like to bring up the fact he plays at Liberty. They don't play a lot of power five top schools, right? It's fine. Typically, we all know this, they, they at least schedule one or two teams. That's a showcase. Last year for Malik Willis, it was Virginia Tech, and he was the best player on the field. Between Liberty and Virginia Tech, he was the best player. And I tweeted out the throw. He rolls, he got, he's getting pressure, he rolls to his right, spins off a tackle, and just lets one rip down the right sideline. Receiver toe tap grab, and it's just like that's 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 something you do on Madden. That's not something right. you're supposed to be doing in game, right? So he has that type of, in my opinion, arm talent-wise, that Josh Allen, the Mahomes, the Matthew Staffords, that where you they're gonna make throws and throw from angles where you're just like, as a coach, you're like, no, no. Oh, Okay, that's a touchdown. Great. The, you know, just how like we drew it up, guys. Just how like we drew it up. He's like, that's that's not what we drew up. But I'm fine with it as long as we score. Uh, so yeah. that's the, well, Malik Willis, that's kind of the thing for me is just he's he's growing. And the more he grows, the harder it's going to be to deny him. Because to me, in my opinion, he is the Trey Lance of this, of this draft. I think the key there, man, that's such a great take. But I think the key, too, is – we talk about quarterback play and breaking down quarterbacks is, look, there's a lot of quarterbacks with great arm talent. They, they can throw. 
the dig route. They can throw the deep comeback route. They can throw, you know, those things that are on a line. You put it on them and try. But it's like, can you can you make the touch throws? Can you throw the corner route on a rhythm? When that back foot hits the ground, can you throw that corner route on a rhythm and hit a guy in space? I think that's what separates and look like total quarterback play. Is first of all, is he making the right read? Can he get through his progression? And when it comes time to make touch throws, can he make those throws? I think that's the thing with Lamar Jackson. You're talking about Malik Willis. You're talking about some other quarterbacks. Like, can they make those throws? Because I think now, with the amount of coaching that goes on and these off-season seven-on-seven tournaments these kids run in high school, and there's so many opportunities for these kids to be seen by scouts and by college, colleges to, to increase their game. It's like when they make that leap from college, high school to college in the NFL – those touch throws become the difference between the guys who make it and the guys who don't. I think that's the thing you're looking at with Lamar Jackson is, Hey, I get it. The kid's got a cannon for an arm. He's so much fun to watch in the run game. And it's like, until you can stop it, it's like old Vince Lombardi. I'm going to run counter until you prove to you can stop it. And that's what Lamar, that offense is with Greg Roman. But it's like, Hey, at some point you got to be able to win down 14 in a playoff game against a stout defense where you're in a two minute drill can you beat a team with the passing game? And I think that's what we got to see from Malik Willis. We got to see it from Lamar Jackson. And that's what separates, I think, the quarterbacks that, that are great from a skill set, from a metric standpoint. Hey, he runs a great 40 times. He's got a nice vertical. He can throw the he can throw the hot route. He he can put some zip on the ball when he needs to. Man, can you manage a game? Can you make all of the throws? They take the next step. Absolutely. Let's uh, we got a few more minutes. I really want to hit on because, man, you are the film guy and you, you're also uh, someone I respect in your evaluation of the upcoming classes. So let's first and foremost is the 22 classes as it relates to fantasy football as or is not as good as people are, are, are putting out on Twitter. That's the first one. And the opposite is the 23 as good as everyone says. For the 22. Um, That's a good question. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. <laughs> For the 22 class, man, it's um, right now, it's a lot of smoke uh, that we are trying to let the dust settle. And it really won't be settled for another couple weeks. You know, wide receiver is not solidified in terms of who's the top guy, right? Last year, even without playing, everyone had Jamar Chase. It was either Jamar Chase, Waddle, or Smitty. This year is not, you know, a lot of people love Traylon Burks, and I get why he steps off the bus and he looks like a, <laughs> looks like a monster, right? But then you have Garrett Wilson, technician, explosive, run after the catch, premier route runner, Chris Olave, legit deep yeah. threat, is a good route runner himself, tough, tough kid, John Mechie over in Alabama, physical. Doesn't even have the prototypical 6'3 size, but he plays bigger than his, his game, and he's explosive as well. He gives you stuff. He gives you blocking in the run game as well. He's a guy you want on your team. So, but it's nothing solidified yet. So that's why it's kind of it's tough because you don't know who is the top. And for an evaluator like myself, I absolutely adore it. You know, and I tweeted that out about the quarterback position last year. Was a lot of sound chamber. Trevor Lawrence, generational talent. You know. Zach Wilson came on the scene and everybody's on, on, on his bandwagon. And Trey, you know, Trey Lance was the enigma. And well, what is Mac Jones going to be? Justin Fields is there as well. There's a lot of sound chamber takes. Now you can't have that because nobody knows who in the world is QB1. <laughs> and I love it. Same thing with receiver. Running back, <sighs> running back is it's from a depth uh, a depth standpoint, it's deep. 
it's a deep potentially now. It just depends on who decides to, to return to school. But it's a lot of talent at running back. A lot of great guys. Um, a lot of underclassmen. Ulysses Bentley from SMU. I'm uh, really high on. You know, and I, I honestly I hope he does stay one more year, just so that they can feature him as a true number one back for their offense. Um, Ty Chandler from uh, North Carolina. We saw his breakout party this past week. And the thing about it is they don't, they're not even featuring him in the passing game yet. If they start doing that and really showcasing his full tool, tool belt, it's 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 crazy. My guy right now, Kenneth Walker, the highest riser, him and Zach Charbonnet, and Britton Brown, the other running back at, at UCLA. So it's a lot of talent at the running back's position. It's a ton of talent at receiver. And we all know it's a lot of talent at QB. His main thing is going to be who declares, who returns, and who finished this season strong? Because that's where that's where the dust settles for, for, for a lot of it is. Which guy really comes out on top? Right now, Isaiah Spill is my, my RB1. He's my top running back, right? And I said it last night. I love Brees Hall. But I have a, I, I have a, a, a love for guys who can really and truly create. And you watch Kenneth Walker run. He can create on his own. We, we, we love the stat. Yards over expectation. How do you get yeah. yards over expectation as a running back? You create. When you're only supposed to get one and you get eight yards, that's seven yards over expectation because you juke the D tackle, you stiff arm someone, and then you got to feel. It, you have to be able to create on your own. And I'm not saying that Brees Hall can't. He's more of a off-tackle power back, a little old schoolish. Isaiah Spiller cuts well. He reads and cuts well. He IDs the leverage of the, def- of the defensive line very well with good patient and vision. Kenneth Walker, same thing. His uh, COD, uh, you guys are going to see this. T- see me tweet this a lot of different ways. Change of direction and cutting on demand. I, I need somebody that has the oily hips, the loose loose legs to be able to change directions on a dime, but also but change it on you know on demand. Like I need you to not just be able to change directions, but when there's a run Saturday. Miami got into the backfield. I think they sent a nickel off the bl- a nickel corner, uh, nickel blitz, and he saw it. He legitimately stopped in his in his on his tracks. He got the the handoff. Talking about Kenneth Walker, took the right. handoff, literally jump cut the guy. And and I know for a fact that run was not supposed to go outside, but he had to deviate off the plan because he had to take a detour because his original <laughs> path was blocked. So it's just that's those are the things I look forward to when I'm looking at running back. So that's why I have Kenneth Walker right now. That's my RB too. You know, man, God dang, dude. So, so here's the deal. So, Bajan Robinson. Now, I'm going to go back to I coached in, in Arizona. So, I, we played against Spencer Rattler. We saw, you know, Bajan Robinson up close. We saw Kadan Slovis from USC up close. There's a lot of talent that's come out of Arizona mm-hmm. over the last five or six years. But, you know, where do you put Bajan Robinson versus a Brees Hall versus some of the other guys that are in that same? you know, potential draft class, and, and, and where do you see him? Brijan Robinson would be my top running back if he was yeah. in the 22 and 2 class. This kid has everything, the build, the contact balance. I tweeted out a clip of him, I think it was the first his first game, takes the inside zone, handoff. He And the spatial awareness as well as the peripheral vision, he sees the defenders coming in his blind spot. He drops his weight, cuts on – just a, a sick, sharp cut cross the defender's face and gets upfield. That's 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 different. That that's special. He has the ability to make guys miss in the alley. I, and I like to explain the alley. Everybody knows. You go back to Vince Lombardi. 
Oh, you yeah. got a seal here. You got a seal here. You got an alley. A lot of people like they get it confused with phone booth. No, it's not. That's not a phone booth. Phone booth is just kind of running. Basically, you can look at that as running between tackle. It's a lot of bodies, oh, not a lot of space. Yeah, yeah it's, it's between tackles, not a lot of space. But seal here, seal here, seal here, seal here. As a running back, I trust Bijan one-on-one with a safety or a DB, not to just run them over and run through them, but put a move and take it 60. I don't that highlight of you trucking a guy is cool, but I need that seven points, my man. I need that touchdown from you. So he is so special and he catches the ball in the backfield. He's explosive. He has a long speed, the patience, the vision, all of it. And it's just like watching him. I'm just like, I, I just kind of so I, I try to I try to take notes when I'm watching live games, depending on what I'm watching. And with him, I just kind of put the pin down and I just watch the kid. He's just <laughs> he's just so special. I think you could probably relate to this, but like when you watch running backs and you say, Hey, there's an Eric Dickerson who's the best of all time, not to age myself, but, and I'm not comparing him in terms of size or whatever, but when you look at John Robinson and, and he did it in high school, which I get. So you knew when he went to Texas, you know, the opportunity he was going to get in that offense. But when a, when a, when a running back can see, and you can tell John Robinson is one of those guys that like, Hey, I'm not concerned with the first level. I'm going to beat the first level. I see the next level. What is that line play side linebacker doing? What is the safety doing? Because I'm going to beat the D tackle. I'm going to beat the DN, depending on what the play call is. I'm already looking ahead of the second level. And that's what I think Bajan Robinson does, which is special. Uh, as he sees, I think he's a step ahead. He's playing chess and everybody else is playing checkers. Absolutely. He knows I'm going to beat the first level. But I already know what the move is against the second level. It is crazy because – I call that – I have a lot of different draft terms for running backs that most people don't <laughs> um, But I call that being an anticipatory runner. You know, understanding and trusting your O-line for one to handle business on at the line of scrimmage. That's why, like you said, he trusts his O-line so much so that he's focused on the second and third level. It's like, my guys are going to give me a crease. That's all I need. You know, yeah. as a, when you're a running back that understands how to get skinny in those small windows – it, you don't need a big lane. You just need a spot where you can fit in. And if I can get through there clean enough, I can get to that second level and I can put moves on the rest of these guys uh, and be an anticipatory runner. And if, and the simple fact of I call it, you know, sec, I call it defender manipulation, which you guys may have seen me tweet that, you know, a time right. or two. As a running back, when you see the second level, you see the third level, anticipate, read their leverage. That's where the reading cut comes in at. But at the same time, when you're patient behind the line of scrimmage, I, I call it displacing and replacing. So I want to press for especially – that's what I talked about earlier with CEH. When you have enough carries to where you know who you're playing and understand what they're doing, if I'm pressing outside, if it's, a, if it's an outside zone, I'm pressing it, and I know that that linebacker isn't going to stay square to – to pretty much shuffle. He's going to turn his body completely to the sideline and chase me. He's in chase mode now. I know for a fact okay. I can displace him, and I'm going to cut back off of that. So I want to displace him, get him out of his gap, get him out of his lane, and I'm going to replace him. So that's that's the main thing is get him out of the, get these guys out of the way. And Bijan's really good at that. Um, Isaiah Spiller is good is really good at that. And it's like I said, slow to you, it's slow to you know, and, and slow to for a running back, slow to fast through. So I'm going to take my time, yeah. let my block set up, and then I'm going to hit it. And you see that with guys who have the burst and the patience. I, I said last night on the spaces, people wonder why 4-2 and 4-3 running backs don't work. 
It's like literally having someone that does not know how to control a, a Lamborghini and you're trying to tell them to drive. It's one anybody can drive it on the open freeway. You move all the cars, and it's like I can hit this. But can you can you get in and out of traffic, five o'clock traffic on the interstate? Can you get in and out of it without crashing this bad boy? Understanding how to control speed for any position. That's why I love J- Jalen Waddle. He knew when to throttle up yeah. and throttle down. And that's how he manipulated the 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 cornerbacks leverage. And you know, one thing Croc taught me with fast guys like Tyreek Hill, what they're going to do is speed that clock up. So you want to trust your technique, but you see him barreling down on a vertical stem. You're like, you know what? I got to turn and run. Then he snaps it off on the comeback route. You're 15 yards upfield, and he's catching uh, catching a quick hook. So it's the same thing. Snap and cap it, right? Exactly, snapping and cap it. So it's the same thing with running backs, man. Just understanding when to tempo. Just understand how to use your tempo. Understand you are in control of yourself. Don't let them. I always I like to mix in basketball. Kawhi Leonard does not play fast, right? Anybody has watched Kawhi Leonard for the Clippers, he does not play fast. He plays at his pace, his speed. But you, and you're not going to speed him up either. And then he's going to drop 35, probably get about two or three dunks on you, um, at, you know, get 10 rebounds and five assists. And you're like, but he literally played at his pace the whole game. Russell Westbrook, you can speed him up if you want to because that's kind of his game. He wants to run yeah. fast, back and forth. So as a running back, don't let the defense speed you up. Play at your tempo. Yes, you adjust. If it's a fast defense, you want to move a little quicker when you're trying to be patient. But – Never let anyone speed up your game. That just reminds me of the old John Wood, you know, be quick, but don't hurry. Yes. Yeah. Purpose. Um, and that kind of takes us to a guy or takes me to a guy that you haven't mentioned, a guy that I, you talk about a creator and, and that's Gibbs at Georgia tech. I, I uh, haven't heard you say anything. It's hurt. Cause that's a guy that I can just sit there and watch. Uh, I will be honest with everything that we've, uh, it's been going on. I haven't seen what he's been doing so far this year, but he's someone I could just watch over and over again. He's fun, man. He's a lot of fun, dual threat guy. And and that's the you know, if you don't know now, you know the 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 new top running back are dual threats because you look at a Derrick Henry and I love Derrick Henry. I love King Henry. I watched the tape of him versus the Cardinals. Right, he gave Tennessee nothing when the linebackers and D line stuffed him in the run game. So. Again, while he's dominant on the ground, he's not really function, not truly, truly a functional or a weapon in the passing game. You can stop Alvin Kamara. You know he can have five carries for twenty yards. He's probably gonna have ten receptions for a buck fifteen, and that's where it really hurts you because then he can he can take the field with their power back and they can run inside zone with him lined up at slot because yeah. you're focused on. They're going to throw a slant to him. They're going to throw a whip route to him. They're going to go on the uh, drag. He's he's going to be the outlet. And while you're focusing on him, now you got Mark Henry, you know, Mark Ingram when he was there breaking up the seams. And you're like, he just went for 40 on this because we didn't key in on him. So that's that's when I look at Jameer Gibbs is just a dual threat guy, explosive, can catch the ball in the backfield, create on his own, win one-on-one. Because at the same time, it's, it's it's just like having a mobile quarterback. That last defender has to w- beat me, and as a running back, I'm picking me every time. So, you know, can you win one on one? You he can do that, and you know, he has the size, he has the strength, he has the contact balance, the speed, he has all the tools. The only problem he, is he's playing at Georgia Tech, 
That's the main problem. He's playing for Georgia Tech. That's a guy that I will say I would love to see in like a Kansas City type offense. Yes. Not to take anything away from CEH. No. But, but give me that give guy. It's going to take Andy Reid being okay with, hey, when when the defense dictates and we read the numbers, I'm going to gash you in the run game until you suck up, and then I will yes. take Patrick Mahomes against anybody against, against a, a light secondary. But, yeah, he's a guy that I would love to see. And, I can't, and that's, a, that's a fun part about football. You can talk about guys you would love to see in a different offense based on the offensive coordinator. Maybe it's the quarterback play and say, hey, man, where, where do you see this guy fitting in? You know, but the reality is with running backs and being where they're at in value, and you're starting to see them dip further and further back with guys not wanting to pay running backs. And GM saying, hey, we can take a running back late in the first round, early second round, and pay dividends yeah. on that. And then get to his second contract and say, hey, is he a guy we want to pay the Zeke Elliott type contract to? So that, that's the fun part about football from the college level is what type of offenses do they fit in? And where is that guy going to be when that second contract comes up? He's a first-round guy. He's, a, he's four years with a fifth-year option. Where do we see him fitting in at? Which and is that's a lot a of great, to play that that's game. That's a great point. Coach, because I see so many people don't draft running backs in the first round. Well, from a financial aspect, it's actually smarter to draft them in the first round because yes. you get in a situation with Alvin Kamara. He's what, a third, fourth round pick. He technically only signed like a three year deal. You got to pay him a lot sooner. So you can't say, well, you've got a lot of, you know, tread on your tight. No, I don't. You know, for one, I didn't carry the ball much in college because I went from Alabama's stacked room to playing behind Jalen Hurd. But before he went to uh, be late <laughs> Baylor or returning to a receiver, so I don't have a lot of tread on my tires. So when you draft a guy in the first round, like you said, you have technically six years. You have the four, first four, the fifth year option, and if you really want to get funky with it, you can give him that that franchise tag if he's somebody that's still pushing, and you don't have to pay top dollar. And that you know that's why when Thank people you. say, well, no, I'd rather draft one late. Okay, that's fine. So if he becomes Adrian Peterson and he drafts him in the sixth round, you don't have him on a long-term deal. He's going to command top dollar really quickly. Yeah. So again, I'd rather draft them first round. But at the same time, for me, I don't want to draft them top 10. I tweeted that out no, uh, this middle season. Of the back end of the first round. Exactly. I want to yeah. draft them if, if the team is set, right? If an offense is set, team is set, they're ready to compete. For some reason, they have a first round pick. Like they maybe they made a trade. The team they traded with stunk and they have a high first round pick. If you if you feel like you're a running back away, I'm perfectly fine with that, right? Yeah. I don't like a team that's rebuilding to take a running back top 10 when you could fix your O-line, get, you know, draft a top tier pass rusher or cornerback, whatever the case may be, grab another position. Cause then you can always, they're going to, they are going to be running backs all the time. Like you're, you're going yeah. to find running backs. So if you're not contending, please stay away from running backs for one. Cause I hate to see you guys run them into the ground and they never had a chance to compete for a title. Right. I want to ask you about someone else that you tweeted about, and I actually uh, responded to it. We're not going to keep you much longer, but uh, talk about a wide receiver from Oregon, Devin Williams. And I, I reached out to you about him because uh, he actually played for me in high school. Um, and you talk about we were very blessed to have a number of uh, Division One kids and, and uh, guys that made it um, pretty far. And um, But with him – 
he was just someone you, you talk about looked the part. You know, he passes the eyeball test. And yes. obviously he does all that. But more importantly, the physical tools that kid had as far as being able to make plays and just he was incredible. The things that I worried about at the time were maybe, and I'm not going to rip the kid, but sometimes dedication. And, and um, when you're that talented, I've seen so much as a high school football coach that your work ethic isn't always the best because you've been able to rely on that talent to make you so successful that going in and working sometimes doesn't seem like it's all that necessary. Mm -hmm. So with that being said, what is it that um, you liked about him that you saw um, when you tweeted about him? Uh, I think that was kind of middle of the summer. Yeah. Um, great height, weight, speed type prospect. Yeah. Uh, talented, top to bottom. And I'm not going to lie to you, that was something that I actually kind of noticed. I, I, you could tell guys who, like, literally grind and, and work their butts off. Not saying he he's a bad worker, but – He's a guy that, like you said, he's he's so talented physically and athletically, he leans on it too much. And I would say, for one, any coach uh, that's listening, any way, a way to help break that kind of out of your high school players, show them the statistics of how many guys make it to the league and, and explain to them the guys that really make it and stay there are the guys who work their butts off. Oh, the, first, you, you, the, the cliche, first one in, last one out. You know, yeah. you can be as talented as you want. How many how many receivers have we seen come in the league super talented but never pan out? Running backs, quarterbacks, linemen, corners. We've seen it at every position. And so, but no one ever for for a lot of reasons, especially social media, a lot of these kids kind of have a you know kind of a privileged mindset. Like I've made it. You haven't made it until you got there. And any prospect that I've interviewed and I've talked to. I've explained that to him. Go in there, put your head down, and grind. Don't let anybody take you off course and, hey, let's go party here. Let's go. Do yeah, have your fun, but understand that this is a business, and you are the investment, and teams are going to make an investment through you. And if you don't do right by yourself, you're going to go bankrupt. So just handle You know, you got to handle it the right way. Um, but he, he's so talented. The thing for me is just I wish – I kind of wish the quarterback from last year stayed – uh, which right. was a more more of a, a complimentary passer, I you know Anthony Brown. He, he's he's he gives you a lot in the run game. We talked about it early. Passing isn't his greatest strength, uh, so I think that he's going to hinder Williams in a way. Um, and, and honestly, if he if I'm not sure about his uh, classification status, why if he's a freshman, I, I didn't remember to look that up yet. But um, if he has eligibility after this season. I really wouldn't be surprised if he transferred, to be honest with you. Um, and if I'm – some people don't like to hear this, but if I'm if I'm in his ear or in his corner, I would say – I would have did the same thing to Malik Willis. Like, Malik, um, go to Texas A&M. Yeah. <clears throat> Straight up, I'm like, Malik, go to Texas A&M. There's no chance that Haynes King beats you out in camp. Absolutely not. You know what I mean? Just one-on-one. -on -one. So I would – I look at Devin – like I said, if his if his mindset is in the right place, he's just so good, so explosive. Gives you that that legitimate even even if you don't view him as a pure number one wide right receiver right now in terms of polish, he gives you that what I call a um, DDT, a designated deep threat. You know when you want to run the ball, a team like 
you look at Cleveland, they drafted Anthony Schwartz, and we saw week yeah. one, you know, they start hitting him on the over route off the play action pass because he's he's got world class speed, and that's something you can't teach. But it's a tough route to defend too. Exactly, but yeah. you look at Devin. He he can climb the ladder, go grab it. I you know off. I always I put it where the kids can't get it. And he's one of those guys that can just elevate easily. He's such an easy athlete. He has it comes natural to him. So I do want to see him put that work in to to vet. And he runs good routes for a guy his length. He's able to sell routes very well. You don't see long linear linear framed receivers able to sink drop fake out defenders the way he can it's so natural for him so he has wide receiver one written all over him but like you said it's all about the work ethic if he can put that get that down pack he can be a star once he gets to the nfl i think he he's the type of guy that is a candidate to be a better pro than a college player i think that's the thing that a lot of people don't don't understand too is it's not just about what you see on film one of the things that NFL scouts or college scouts at the high school level look at, what's the first thing they do? They go talk to your coaches. What is that kid's work ethic in practice? Is he a leader on the field? And, and is he a guy that stays late and works out with the quarterback? And, and so you look at talent and you say, hey, there's a lot of guys that run a 4-3, 4-4-40 these days. Yep. Can he sink his hips? Can he get in and out of cuts? Is he a guy that stays late and works out with the quarterback? Does he study film? What are the things he does that makes him stand out? And if that head coach is telling you he's the first guy to leave, he doesn't really get with the quarterback, he doesn't watch a lot of film, he just knows he's the best guy out on the field, the best athlete, so he dominates the high school or college level, but he doesn't do a whole lot to, 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 to take his game to the next level, those scouts are going to go, okay, good, hard path. Yeah, absolutely. In the percent Very quickly, too. Very quickly, yeah. he's off the board. I want to tell you guys a quick story where you talk about that. My, I think it was my the 10th or 11th grade year in high school. Um, we were at spring training, spring uh, training camp. And um, while we're practicing, we see the car pull up. We don't know who it is. And this, um, this tall, six foot four, long kid gets out. And we're like, who's that? Like, he doesn't even go to our school. Well, he's a, p- a pitcher and quarterback from Florida, um, and his um, his dad was taking him around the schools in our area because they were moving down to find a high school for him to, p- to play. And um, so we kind of stopped practice. Coach is talking to his dad. So I'm like, all right. I was like, all right, Florida, what you got? So I threw him, you know, threw the ball to him. I said, you know, throw something to me, I, you know, because I played running back and slot receiver. And um, he had a cannon. I was just like, oh. Yeah, we don't have that type of talent at quarterback here. So I was looking at I was looking at our quarterback. I'm like, hey, he's like, you know, you know, you got some competition. So he he arose in our school, and that summer, like we became best friends immediately. That summer, I stayed with him pretty much the entire summer. We had the playbook. We worked on every single thing, every concept, every audible, all of it. We get to, of course, like you know, summer camp. That was back with. That was back when we did two of these. You don't do that anymore. Yeah. We, you know, we're up six o'clock at the break, the break of dawn, going in, you know, trying to wake ourselves up, get ready for practice. Well, we went to a um, it was a tournament of uh, scrimmages, and um, the team, one of the teams we were scrimmaging, they had a their middle linebacker, never forget him, six foot one, about two forty. 
He had the old school net roll. He was a thumper. Uh, he did. He did. He, had, he his footwork and the hips were terrible. But downhill, oh yeah, he was a killer downhill. So we, you know, our bread and butter. We get we we test our new offense, more spread, shotgun, pistol base. We went to uh, twenty two personnel. Had my full back in the backfield with us, and we were running forty four power right up every team we faced. We that, we kept running that, hand the ball off to me, and I was off to the races. So, but one thing again goes back to what I talk about understanding your opponent. Just a couple snaps into this game, and I, we were watching them when we weren't playing. Their middle linebacker like to shoot gaps. Yeah. And I, was, I looked at Coach. I said, Coach, there's literally no reason for us to run 44 power. He's going to shoot the gap every time. And our coach was so stubborn. He was like, oh, we're, we're going to run it. I was like, Coach, like he's shooting the gap. Like, Don't do it. He's like, we're going to run it. Run it. And he was like, okay, cool. So me and Reggie and Clarence, like we, we worked out together so much in the offseason. So I was like, all right. We ran the first time. Got you know, got a first down. My guard picked him up. It's like cool. Next couple times was like two yard gains. I said, Reggie, we're not running forty four power again. What we're gonna do is we're gonna you're gonna feed it to you're gonna fake it to me. We're gonna fake forty four. You guys are gonna run triple options, brother. And so he reads them. I take the hit. I laid there for a second because he laid me down. I'm not gonna lie to you. And literally they ran sprint option backside. And went 84 touchdown. Coaches yeah. cussing us out on the sideline. Right. Who the hell told you guys to change the play? We were like, we just scored. Dude. Like, relax. I told you over and over again. He's he's shooting the gap. So it's just like it speaks to that, that work ethic. We stayed. I I literally forgot. I, my mom was like, that's fine. Like, as long as they take care of you, as long as they feed you, I don't care. Call me every day. Make sure you know check in on us. I said no, no problem. And I did that. But for a whole summer, I stayed with him and his family, and we worked on the playbook. We worked on passing concepts. I had to get used to catching a, a ball from a guy with that type of arm talent because, you know, he came in his first practice and separated one of our guys' middle finger. Like, we weren't <laughs> used to that type because we were a running team. So it's just like, okay, now we have a quarterback that can throw the ball. And that's what goes back to that work ethic, man. When you want to be great, when you want to master something, you're going to put everything into it. And that's what I tell not just high school players that I talk to, college players that I that I, I chat with in the DMs, study film. And, and people, it's funny because when people go at, when the analytics crowd come at film grinders, I said, my response is always this. Do you think that Bill Belichick is using a spreadsheet to figure out what the Jets do well before they play them? Not necessarily, because that's not telling them concepts. It's not telling him what the left tackle likes to do. Is he an oversetter? Is He's he a- breaking down hours of film. Exactly. And I've got, it matters. Oh, I've got such a good story on this. So we watched, just real quick, we watched game film. We're going to the state championship. We're watching game film. And, you know, you have your offensive coaches breaking down the defense, defensive coaches breaking down the offense. And one of our defensive coaches comes in and he goes, hey, do you guys notice when the quarterback stands in a staggered stance, it's a run play every time. But when he stands in a balanced stance, an athletic position with his feet square, hmm. it's a pass. So I went back the last four games, and I'm breaking down every single play, and I'm like, holy shit, you're right. We did that game, it was this simple. We have a signal caller for the offense, because everything was hand signals, and a signal caller for the defense. All the defensive guy did was hold up a one, run play. Two, pass play. 
And we knew what the base defense was off of that. So we took a team that was, I think, fourth or fifth in the state. We were, I think, two or three, number two in the state at the time. 47 nothing was a final score. Blew them out from film study. So mm-hmm. I love analytics. I get it. I can read a spreadsheet. This is nothing to knock on the analytics guys. But there's something to be said about watching film and understanding what a defense is trying to do and saying, hey, you can give me all the stats you want in the world. But throw them out against this defense because here's what they're doing. Here's what the game plan is going into this week. Absolutely. Hey, Damian, man, I got to tell you, you talk about your work ethic as a player, and it's obvious that it's 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 continued with you with the work that you do now and with uh, where you've gotten. And I just want to say, man, we can't thank you enough. We would love to do this a weekly show. We want to meet an analyst and talk football. We'd love Absolutely. to have you again. Uh, of course. You're a good dude, man. And I'd love to learn more from you, and uh, and I'll definitely hit you up again. So thank you so oh, much for coming on. Hey, I appreciate you guys for having me, man. It's been fun. Hey, we'll talk Sweet. to you soon, man. I appreciate you being on the show. Yes, sir. Coach Bruce, we'll see you next week, brother. All right, man. Experience a new way to play daily fantasy sports and esports on Thrive Fantasy. Thrive's game concept revolves around player props, which are simple over-unders on player stats. There are contests for traditional sports including the NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA, and Cricket, as well as esports titles including CSGO, Dota 2, League of Legends, and more coming soon. Here's how to play. Choose your lineup of over-unders for top-tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game. Each prop has a fantasy point total based on how likely it is to hit. The more points the selection is worth, the riskier it is. Rack up the most points and win a share of the prize pool. Thrive is awarded over $2 million in cash, so come and prop up today. Use promo code THECUT to get matching deposits up to $50 with a minimum deposit of $20. Thank you to Thrive Fantasy. Check out King Fantasy Sports' draft kit and get the advantage over your league mates this draft season. Do the right preparation and start your season off right. You'll get rankings, breakouts, busts, values, and sleepers. Have some funky settings? Learn how to make your own projections. Stop sitting on the sidelines and buy it now. Use our promo code THECUT to get an additional 10% off. We're talking $10 to get everything you need in your arsenal to not just compete, but dominate. Check out the link in the description of this podcast episode.